Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And we now bring in a guy that we have brought on multiple times over the last few years. He is a guy that is widely regarded as one of the most accurate preseason predictors and the man that we build to write the college football Bible. It is Phil Steele who is with us here. And uh, Phil, you know, he said it to me as we were coming in here to uh, get this interview started. Man, last year was an extremely disappointing year for Tar Heel football but it feels like, you know, there's with the expectations off, this is a team that might be able to fare a little bit better than they ended up faring a year ago. What do you think about the Tar Heels' chances to come out and put up a better 2022 than they did 2021? Well, you know, you look at last year, top 10 coming into the season and finishing 6-7. and seven. I don't think any Tar Heel fan expected 6-7 and seven last year. I think ACC title was the expectation. But you hit it right on the head. The expectations are so much lower this year. Nobody's going to be picking them for first at the Coastal. Nobody's going to be picking on, on getting to the ACC title game. And that's generally when a team flies under the radar. And I think probably the, the biggest difference this year to last year uh, might just be that defensive front seven. I mean, They've got a lot of athletes up front on the defensive front seven. If they start playing as good as they look coming off the bus, and that is a much better unit, then I think the overall team has improved. And I also think the supporting cast around the quarterback is better. Remember last year, Sam Howell lost two NFL draft picks at running back, two NFL draft picks at receiver. And this year, uh, you know, they've got the retired receiving quarterback, including Josh Downs. Instead of replacing 2,000-yard rushers, only replacing one. So I think the, the supporting cast around the quarterback's in better shape. 
Well, you know, one of the big things that you do when you go through and and and, and preview these teams is you do talk to the coaches. And, you know, first of all, what is the thought around, you know, the program right now, and especially from head coach Mac Brown, about the impact that he thinks that Gene Chizik can have coming in? Because we saw Gene Chizik come in back in 2015 and turn this defense around extremely quick. And I, I think that Tar Heel fans are, are hoping that can happen again. Is that the sense that you're kind of getting from Mac Brown and his guys right now that they think they can get that done again with Gene Chizik in place? Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, the pieces are there. If you look at North Carolina, the talent level they have, the players they have, uh, how they are athletically in the defense, you would have expected a better performance than last year. That's for sure. And I think that the, with the talent, with Chizik coming in, uh, I've, I've always had high regard for Coach Chizik. Uh, I think the defense will be a much improved unit. So it was a great hire. Well, Phil, you know, speaking about some of the guys on the defensive side of the football, one guy that I've seen a lot of hype around this offseason that I think, you know, if you go back and watch him last year, there was some up-and-down nature to his game is Tony Grimes. What do you think about Tony and, and, and maybe even Storm Duck on the other side? Do you think that those two guys can kind of rebound from what was a year kind of like the team in general that was below what we expected? Yeah, and I, I think when you take a look at Storm Duck, he's a guy that was, that's been hurt on and off. Uh, you know, he only had the the four starts last year, missed a bunch of games due to injury. I think having him back at full health is a big plus. And, and you know, he and Grimes are both good sized cornerbacks, both six foot one. You like that in your cornerback. And you know, a lot of times coverage is not necessarily just the secondary; it's also the pressure being put on by the defensive front. You know, if you've got a great defensive front like Clemson or Pitt then the, the cornerbacks don't have to cover as long. And so I think that's going to be improved this year. More pressure up front is going to help the cornerback play. Storm Duck being healthy is going to help the cornerback play. And I think uh, Duck and Grimes do make a very good uh, combination at the cornerback position. Well, you know, one of the other guys on the defensive side of the ball that I've seen, you know, a lot about and some people, you know, have kind of looked at him as maybe an outside first team all ACC guy is Miles Murphy. His counterpart, the same name out of out of Clemson, is seen as a sure uh surefire first round or excuse me, surefire all ACC guy. But what do you think about Miles Murphy? He had a good start to the year last year but kind of tailed off as the season went along. Do you see see elements of his game that would show you a guy that can help lead this defensive front? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's 6'4", 300 pounds, so he's got the side you want at that position. Also, you know, I was very encouraged by what he did in the spring. Uh, Coach Brown told me he felt he was the defensive player of the spring, and that's always really good. It means he comes in with a great attitude. Uh, this is a guy that could be a high uh, draft pick. There's no doubt in the draft, and and I think Murphy's a guy that uh, feels that uh, he under underachieved a little bit last year. He did have four sacks for TFL, but I think when you're looking at Murphy, uh, he is in for a big year this year. Well, one uh, position group that the Toriels are hoping they can have a big year from once again is the quarterback position. But this year it's a little bit different. You lose Sam Howell now. You're turning to either Jacoby Criswell or Drake May. I feel like a lot of people 
before the but before the spring started felt like Drake May was no doubt going to be the guy. I don't know if it's the same way now. I think Jacoby Criswell is putting up a pretty good fight. What do you think about that quarterback position and how important is it for them to find that one guy there? Because we've heard Mac Brown talk about potentially running two quarterbacks, but it feels like a lot of Tar Heel fans are trying to will this team to find that one guy. Yeah, and that's always when a team is best is when they have one quarterback. Now, you know, Chris Wells is a guy that's got a really strong arm. Uh, he has got rare arm talent. And uh, so, you know, the thing about him, he's only six foot. So you'd like to see him a little bit uh, bigger in that respect. But he's very accurate, got the arm talent, and uh, clearly ran the offense well in the spring. And he's more experienced. So, yes, he is a clear-cut contender. And then with Drake May, he's got the size you want at 6'5". And he could probably run better than you expect. He's very accurate, can see over the line. And uh, remember, he originally com- committed to Alabama. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think coming into the spring, Drake May was going to be the clear-cut starter, but Chris Wall's putting up quite a battle. And uh, that's that's a good thing to have two quarterbacks that can play like that. Well, you said that the support around the quarterback position is a lot better, and I definitely agree with you on that. Um, they do have to find some separation at running back, but I think the biggest thing that everybody is looking at is what does that offensive line look like this year you know I I think a lot of people even just around college football in general think that maybe them losing the guys that they did even though there were some impactful players that went in the NFL draft maybe the revamp to the offensive line will help this team Are, are you thinking the same thing and does it seem like the staff may be leaning in that direction as well Yes, absolutely. And, you know, only two starters return. So generally that's a a big-time question mark on the offensive line. But this unit has 104 career starts, six guys who have started six-plus in a season. Yet in a player like Corey Gaynor from Miami of Florida, who I'm very high of, uh, you know, last year at Miami, uh, heading into the year, he was the leader of the group, uh, got stronger and as the season, and then he got injured and uh, only had three starts. So I think getting Gaynor in there is a big plus at the center position. And, uh, you know, Coach Brown told me he felt they were so much stronger in the middle of the offensive line this year. You got a guy like a true freshman and Zach Rice coming in, who's uh, simply my number one rated offensive lineman out of high school. And uh, I think when he steps in and plays inside, you add him with a gainer and Ed Montolas, uh, all of a sudden the inside looks pretty good. They're very deep and they've got a lot of experience. The Harvard transfer, Spencer Rowland, and I'll say this, going over the, the offensive line, with the coaches this year, a common theme was how the FCS offensive linemen adjusted. In fact, after four or five coaches, I would ask them about that and why were they adjusting so well. And the common theme was that uh, for on the offensive line, it's about repetitions. And so the FCS players have been stars at the FCS, played a lot. Heck, Roland was first small Ivy last year, and now all of a sudden they've got all those reps coming in, and we've seen the majority of them come in, earn starting jobs. So I think he's a plus coming in at tackle, and, and I just like the pieces of this unit. You know, most offensive lines struggled last year. I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee, and they weren't happy with a lot of offensive lines last year. They all had their ups and downs. But North Carolina's uh, part of it was Sam Howell maybe a little bit holding on to the football too long, but I, I think overall you're going to see vastly improved offensive line play this year. In fact, I've got North Carolina rated uh, in my top 50 offensive lines in the country. Wow. Well, that would be tremendous. I think that would any Tar Heel fan would take that, especially after the downward trend that we saw 
under Stacey Searles in his time there. But uh, look, let's move on to the schedule. This one's a, a pretty tough one to judge because I feel like on paper, if you just look at the talent of the teams, if you look at the conferences that they come from, a lot of people would say Carolina shouldn't have as much of an issue with this schedule as they did with last year's schedule. But, you know, Phil, that, that trip to Appalachian State uh, in week one is going to be extremely tough, and I feel like that kind of sets the table for uh, a, a schedule that does provide a little bit of uncertainty. What are you thinking about the Tar schedule? Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that App State game being a key one, and it's, uh, you know, App State's my pick to win the Sun Belt Conference this year. They've got the best team they've had under Sean Clark in his three years, and I think that they also have a rabid home crowd. That's going to be a very dangerous game for North Carolina. Now, if they can win that, uh, the Georgia State game is not easy in week three. Uh, Georgia State is a team that uh, has played the big boys tough, but those are two critical games out of the box. You know, to go into Notre Dame or hosting Notre Dame at three and zero is a big difference than going in there at two and one or one and two. So I think those Sun Belt games are going to be critical for North Carolina to come out with wins and with a young quarterback making road starts. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But you look at the rest of the schedule. There'll be a dog against Notre Dame. There'll be a dog. At Miami of Florida, uh, there's right now in Vegas a slight favorite over Pitt at home. I think that one's going to be tougher than expected. Pitt is a team that I've got as my number one surprise team in the country, and then at Wake Forest is of course a big game. But the schedule is very manageable. I think how they do uh, in some games like NC State on a Friday. Uh, I thought the key is going to be the offensive line, the defense, and the quarterback play. I mean, this is a team capable of winning seven, eight, potentially even nine wins. I would I would put the ceiling for North Carolina this year, probably at nine, maybe even ten, and I, but I put the floor at probably six. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those where there are some crucial games in the schedule. There's no doubt about that. Now, really quick, Phil, before we let you go here, just to look at the rest of the Coastal, you know, I, we, we heard last week Greg McElroy of ESPN uh, and the SEC Network said that he thinks that North Carolina could win the ACC Coastal this year. Do you think that that's possible, or are you buying into the Miami hype? I know you're talking about Pitt. What do you think about Carolina's chances to win the Coastal, and, and is there actually a legitimate shot that they could find a way to get to Charlotte? Uh, yeah, I mean, any season with the talent they have overall, if they get the good quarterback play, the offensive lines is vastly improved, the defense improves, then I put them up there. But my, my top two teams in the Coastal heading into the year are Miami of Florida and Pitt. And when you look at Pitt, they've got my number two rated defensive line in the country. Generally, Narduzzi's going to lose two, three guys to the NFL draft and uh, on the off the defensive line and replace them. This year, he doesn't have to replace hardly anybody. They've got the number two defensive line, an outstanding defense, a vastly improved offensive of line. Keaton Slovis comes over from USC at the quarterback position. Israel Avancanda at the, the running back spot. Uh, they do have to play North Carolina on the road, but uh, I'm very high on Pitt. I'm a number one surprise team in the country. And then the other one to look at is Miami of Florida. And, you know, talking to Coach Cristobal at uh, Oregon, one thing he did there was he took them from being a finesse team to being a power team at the line of scrimmage. And 
talking to him this year and going over the team with him, he likes what he inherited on the offensive line. He likes what he inherited on the defensive line. Then he supplemented it with some transfer portal guys. I think they'll be strong at the line of scrimmage. They have no question marks at quarterback. They have Tyler Van Dyke, one of the best QBs in the country. Uh, their defense, defensive line, I rate number 13. DB's number 13. Linebackers, number 30. I think the ball steps into a pretty good situation. They'll probably be a dog at Texas A&M, at Clemson, but uh, maybe the big game of the season is when they host Pitt in the season final. But I see the Coastal coming down to that Miami of Florida Pitt game November 26th. But naturally, as we saw last year in the ACC, I mean, everybody predicted Wake Forest against Pitt for the championship game, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. We all had that one, no doubt about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's there's a ton of uncertainty, but hey, you're one of the best at trying to figure this stuff out. Every year, I have to get the your your preview for the upcoming season so tell people where they can track down your book at this year and uh, how they can get all the information they need for this upcoming season Hey, I appreciate that, Anthony. Uh, now, the magazine right now is exclusively at Barnes & Noble. We had them do the magazine in two runs this year. The first run went exclusively to Barnes & Noble. The second run will be probably the start of August and be in the other stores. So save your gas money. It's very valuable right now. Just head to Barnes & Noble and pick up your copy. Or you can get it online at philsteel.com. And starting next week, we'll be putting up a different blog every day for the upcoming football season. You want to check that out. That is philsteel.com or Barnes & Noble are your two best places to get the magazine. I have to go track mine down and uh, get prepared for the upcoming season. Hey, Phil, you are the best, man. We appreciate you. You always make time for us every single year to come on and talk about this Tar Heel football team. And hopefully next year when we're doing this, that recap at the start will be a little more cheery, but we appreciate you for stopping by with us. Hey, sounds great. Always enjoy talking football with you, Anthony. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot at millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup with athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So we want to thank Phil Steele for stopping by with us. Make sure you guys head to your local Barnes & Noble and check that out. Or if you do want to wait, they will be hitting some of those other stores here soon. So make sure you guys do that whenever it hits those newsstands because it is something you do not want to miss. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website. Again, we are getting ready to head into official preseason mode. 
Camp is about to start, so we're going to have a bunch of stuff up there previewing camp, uh, including some of the battles that we are watching, some of the guys that we're keeping an eye on heading in. And also, after that, we are headed towards some of the articles that you guys love the best, uh, the breakout players to watch, the bowl predictions for the season. What will me and Josh predict for this upcoming year? Who are the guys that we are excited about? And what are the things that we think can happen for this upcoming football season for the Tar Heels? You don't want to miss any of that. It'll be on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, along with those in-depth position previews, which are just on the horizon each position group, every player that's on the roster, we will talk about every single one of them so that we can get you guys ready and tell you what to expect from each one of those guys. All those articles in one spot, HeelToughBlog.com. You can check it out on the Facebook page. Just search Heel Tough Blog on Facebook in the search bar, and you'll find the page. Make sure you, when you find it, you like and follow the page so that you don't miss any of the great content that's on there. We have all the articles, all the podcast editions are on there, as well as when video editions of the pod do return, which we are kind of thinking about doing sooner rather than later, they will all be in one central spot. You can also check it all out at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Check out our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber 2 for our recruiting guy, Zach Hubbard. Also, make sure if you are a listener to the podcast, you are subscribed because we have so many great additions coming up. We still have Brett Ciencia of Pick 6 Previews on the way. Joe Broback of Pro Football Network who writes his own college football preview He'll be on uh, with us as well. And then you don't want to miss Sean Crocker, former Tar Heel defensive back, now a guy that coaches in the state of North Carolina and actually coaches a guy in the 2023 recruiting class that the Tar Heels just landed a few weeks ago. All of that coming up along with all of the in-season talk, all the lead-up, all that great stuff, and it's all on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, so make sure that you are subscribed to the feed. So that does it for this edition of the podcast. Once again, want to thank Phil Steele for joining us. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tarnies!